This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and turn back to John 17, because that's our foundational scripture. And just to reiterate, what we've, been, what we've been talking about is oneness. And my subject today is how to continue in oneness, how to remain one, how to maintain your oneness. Because like we said earlier, it's easy to get into that oneness, but it's always the tough thing to stay in it, to maintain it. So we're going to go to John chapter 17, and I'm going to read verse 16 through 24 again. Verse 16, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou art, Father art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me. For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. So, like I said, it's, it's imperative. As we read those scriptures, we see it says those that may be one. And we said that means there may be some that choose not to be one. Or that choose to be one and leave the oneness over a period of time. So I said it's imperative that we get a total understanding of what we need to do to remain one. So we don't want to be the ones that fall off. We want to make sure that we remain in this oneness because there's a crucial reason why we need to stay in this oneness. And we're going to get to that tonight. <clears throat> but we need to make sure that we remain one. And I did. we went over and we said, remember what we've been learning the past few weeks, that you are part of the fellowship. Once you have accepted Christ, you are part of the body. You are part of the church. And then we went to Matthew chapter 16 and we saw Jesus talking to, uh, to Peter, talking to the disciples, asking him, do you know who I am? And he said, you are the Christ. And then Jesus told him, remember, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But it's not you. It's the church. There's a reason we've been called into this oneness. See, God has, God has a redemptive plan, and it's going to work with or without you, but you have to get into his oneness. Amen. And then we saw later on in that scripture as well, verse 24, it says, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And that was the crucial thing. That was the key thing that we all said that we needed to have to make sure that we continue in this oneness. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow Christ. And we saw in that scripture that Peter, his desire off the bat, when Jesus told him what was coming for him, Peter desired something different. And, and Christ, made, he made sure he knew, listen, you have to deny yourself. In this fellowship, you're going to have to deny yourself. Take up the cross and follow him. You're going to have to get rid of your desires. You're going to have to let go of your diversities. You're going to have to let go of all those differences. Take up your cross and follow him. That's key, the denial of self. And then I went in and discussed what a fellowship was. We went in and talked about how it's not going to be hunky-dory all the time. But a fellowship is a commitment. And I spoke to Minister Hayson after service today, and he said, you're talking about covenant. <laughs> it is. That's what, this, that's what this fellowship is. It's a covenant. I'm committed, come what may, to this journey that I have in Christ. And since I'm in Christ and you're in Christ, then we're one too. So I'm committed to you in this journey. All the way to the end. Come what may, no matter the highs, no matter the lows, no matter the peaks, no matter the valleys, no matter the good times, no matter the bad times. I'm in it with you. Because here's the thing. We've all, we all know what sin is. We've all been in sin. We all know the issues. We all know the bondage of sin. And so we know what our brother is going to. So to, to not be there to help them is sin on your part. Because we've been called into this oneness. We've accepted this oneness by accepting Christ. At least that's what we're saying. So remember, it's a, it's a journey. And I, I, did, I referenced a movie that, so hopefully you got a clear picture. I don't know if everybody here has seen that movie, but we understand what a fellowship is. It's a journey. 
So get prepared. Especially this, this, this journey for Christ, it says in His Word, you're going to suffer things for righteousness' sake. So get ready. If you haven't, if you haven't seen it already, I assure you it's coming. That's a promise. It's coming. I, I'm not promising you that. It says it right here. In the truth. It's coming. So be ready. And then I wanted to remind you of what Minister Martin said last Sunday. Remember, fellowship is the removal of the distance between us. Removal of those diversities. Removal of those differences. Removal of our individual desires because we have one common goal. And that's what the fellowship is. It breaks down that which separates us. And we all become one in Christ. Now I went on to say, you know, I can't touch on everything. I need to get through this review so we can get to where we need to get through tonight. So let's see here. Yeah, I I did say, you know, when you leave your church home where God has placed you, you're acting like a a stubborn child. (laughs) I had to say that again. You have a little temper tantrum, right? Because you're not getting your way. Because nobody's recognizing your diversity. Listen, all I want to recognize is Christ. That is what our fellowship is around, right? That's it. So now it sounds like you're trying to exalt something totally different. And pull other people out of that oneness. As well as yourself. And I had to say this again too. Going to another church. If you hear, if you, Understand this. When you run away from a church like our church. Because I, I can only testify about this church. This is where I grew up. The Spirit of God is here. So if you run away from a place like this. You're only going to be comfortable in a place that, has, that doesn't have the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit of God is not going to leave you alone. He's going to convict you. And let me tell you something about conviction while I'm there. If the Spirit of God convicts you, and you decide to walk through that conviction, you're walking that closer to judgment. That's what's coming. Don't ignore conviction. I don't know why I'm going there. But when you walk through the conviction of the Lord, you're walking walking real close to judgment. Be grateful that the conviction is there and get it right. Then we went on and we, and we went on to our first couple points. We said, what do we have to do to continue in oneness? So I said, number one, to continue in oneness, my heart's desire must first always be to be a part of God's family. I can't ever want to be outside of God's family again. That way I can remain one with the Father, one with the Son, and one with you. But that has to be my heart's desire. And we also said to continue in oneness means to make the disciplines of Christ my lifetime reality, my lifetime truth. The disciplines of Christ make you his disciple if you make it your lifetime reality. Listen, the disciplines of Christ are out there whether you make them your reality or not. It's you that has to choose to be a disciple. He's offered it to you. Like, like I said earlier this morning, oh, he's, God has chosen you by sending his son. He's shown you Christ. Now you have to choose him back on a daily basis. And we went on to say, how do I remain one? And my first point was, in order to remain one, you have to be committed to God. It was simple. It's all about commitment. And in order to be committed to God, I must choose him and continue to choose him all the days of my life. And that's what I mean when I say making your, your walk a lifetime reality. I've got to continue to choose them. Like I said earlier this morning, there's going to be choices every day. And the choice to choose Christ is always there. But, have you been sanctifying yourself? Or are you, are, are you out of practice? Because if you're not in practice, like we were saying this morning, your choice is going to be what you know. You're going to go for what you know. Even if you know, it leads you to destruction. And you, and you find yourself right back in them same cycles like, how did I get here again? Because you went for what you knew. What your flesh knows. So we said you have to be committed. And I said to be committed means that you have to choose Christ. And he's not going to take your free will from you. You have to surrender it to him. And then I said it has to be more than just a saying, more than just a confession. It has to be believing. Believing with the heart. And we said believing denotes action. Believing shows what really motivates you. If you believe, you're going to get up and do. If you believe something's going to happen, you're going to do. It's just like, 
uh, Minister Stinson was saying in Family Life this morning, and she was saying, he gave us dominion over every creeping thing. Do you believe that? <laughs> right? Just say, listen, I'm not saying go walk by a snake and say, I got dominion. But do you believe you have dominion? Or when you see a little cricket, are you, ten, are you down the street? I'm just saying, you, what, what you believe motivates you. It motivates your actions. So a, a true commitment, a true belief system, is going to motivate you to do the things of Christ. To search out the things of Christ. And then we said, what does committed mean? And I'll go over this definition again. I said, committed is the state or quality of, being dedicated, of dedicating oneself to a cause all the days of your life. And I said, our cause, of course, is the cause of Christ. But the thing about being committed is, you know, the, when you love something, when it gains your affections, that's what you're willing to sacrifice for. So we said that commitment is what you have to have towards the things of Christ. Because we all know the things that we love and we sacrifice for on a daily basis. The things or the people. We don't have to go through that again. But we all know those are the things that we love and we sacrifice for. But I'm your brother and your sister as well. See, here's the thing about our fellowship in Christ. It surpasses your blood. Well, let me put it like this. The blood of Jesus surpasses your bloodline. It's thicker than water. So I have to be willing to sacrifice for the family. Why? It's not, it's not even necessarily because I want the family to do so much better, because I do, but I want to do it because others have to see Christ. That's the, that's the ultimate. They have to know that God the Father sent the Son. See, that's the, that's the hope. That's the end goal of our fellowship. That we all know and that everybody else knows, as many as we can get, that the Father sent the Son. Come what may, I'm going to get that point across. Even if you hate me, I'm going to get it across because I love you. Even if I aggravate you. I have a friend. Long-term friend. I mean, from high school. And then we kind of fell out in college, but we kind of got reacquainted in the past, this past year. And the thing about it is, you know what, I'm not even going to go there. I'm not even going to go there. The thing about it is you just have to be committed. Okay? You got to get rid of your excuses. You got to get rid of what you're saying that you don't like this person or that person because there's the common goal that we're trying to get to. That's the thing that you have to recognize. And it doesn't matter how, who you fall out with. I said I won't go there. It don't matter who you fall out with or who you say you don't like or whatever happened in your past. Christ has said, but I still want that one. That one over there, I still want that one. And guess what? I have placed you in that life for that. Do you remember all the way back in high school when I placed you in your life? And now he's back in your life. Are you, do, do you have my mind? Are, are you still in this fellowship? Do you see the end goal? We didn't get to work. That's what God told me. I'm sorry. God, that's what God told me. See, I don't, take, I don't take things lightly anymore. Every little thing I reckon, I see Christ, I'm, oh, you brought them back in my life for a reason. Because let me tell you the circumstances of how he got brought back in my life. His father passed. And I said, oh, I don't, that's not a coincidence. Because my father just passed. And God said, do you know what to say to him? He said, what did somebody say to you? But you got to stay committed. See, that's a commitment. Certain people be like, I'm through with him. I thought I was with him way back in the day. But get your mind on his plan. See, that's the commitment you have to have. Oh, no, i got to go back for that person. Because they were in my life in that season for a time. And, and, and I, had, I had ample opportunity then. But God said, okay, quit trying to, <laughs> what have we been learning? Redeeming the time? You can't get that time back, but now it's time to make that time good. That's commitment. Redeeming the time takes commitment. Yes, 
And remember, I need to move on. I remember we said before that oneness brings strength and opposition. But we said this morning that the strength of your oneness is contingent on your commitment. You have to be committed. And we said the commitment will deter that opposition. And we said you know those who are commitment because you never bring that opposition to them. And when I say opposition, because they do run into opposition. But I'm talking about inside these walls opposition. You know who to bring the garbage and the mess to. You don't bring it to the ones committed because those are the, those are the garbage men. They're going to take that garbage out. So you don't bring those gar- that garbage to the ones that are committed. You get to the ones and you're like, you know, they're not as committed. They, they look like me. They're not in here looking like Christ. They're in here looking like me. So I can take that garbage to them. And they'll agree with me. Matter of fact, they'll have their own two cents on it. And I told you, if you're always caught up in mess, check your commitment level. Because mess and commitment don't go together. Not commitment to these things. Not commitment the way the Bible speaks of it. Maybe commitment in the world. Maybe their truth, what they've accepted as commitment. But the truth of the world commitment, listen. Well, what did we say earlier? A lack of commitment, it leads to sin. And the wages of sin is death. So lack of commitment will lead to death. Unchecked. But these are your warnings right here. Check it. Check your commitment. That's what God's trying to tell you. Check your commitment and get into oneness. Because not only, not only does it lead, those, those sin lead to death for you, but it leads to death for all those that you were supposed to reach. You have a responsibility because you accepted enjoying this fellowship. That's the covenant that Minister Hastings was talking about. You have a part to do. We saw with Cain and Abel, we saw the lack of commitment by Cain. And how he was so ready to blame his brother. Listen, your la- like we said earlier, your lack of commitment has nothing to do with your brother. It's your heart issue. Because Abel was committed. All the- Abel didn't do nothing. To- he- it wasn't like God told him, pulled him over here and said, Abel, let me show you how the-, the order of worship goes. No, he told them all. He's a fair guy. A just guy. The difference was Abel, to- in the process of time, Cain started doing things his own way. His own order of worship. Wasn't, wasn't the way that God wanted it. Blamed his brother for it. Not committed. So, we went to what must I commit to so that I remain in oneness. And we said number one, I must commit to the truth. Sanctify them with thy truth. Thy word is truth. God's word is truth. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is God's word. Be sanctified by Jesus. The Spirit shows you. The Spirit brings you Jesus. He brings you Christ. Be sanctified by that truth. Be purified by that truth. Be made beautiful by the truth. See, being made beautiful sometimes, it hurts. Sometimes it takes pressure. You think of a coal that gets turned into a diamond. Listen, if you you could be a coal and feel it, I'm telling you, that pressure, it don't feel good sometimes. But the end result is beautiful. And in that process of being beautified, that process, look, at, it's beautiful. Because here's the thing about that process. If you're, doing, if you're sanctifying yourself daily, everybody can witness that beautifying process. And they say, ooh, that, now, now there's something beautiful about that. Something different. Something that's not of this world because we've been called out of this world. So 
So purifying yourself, sanctifying yourself with the truth, with the filter, the word of God. That's what you have to do. We said that the word is sharper than any double-edged sword. It filters out all the untruth. When you accept the Christ, that's when the word starts to filter out all the untruths that you already had. The ones that you are living by. It filters those out and it blocks any more from coming in if you sanctify in your mind on a daily basis. It deciphers from, oh, that's, that's worldly, that's fleshly. That's what you want. But here's what, God, here's what God wants. Here's what you need to choose. Why? So that the world will know that the Father sent the Son. That's why. Because, listen, you're not going to physically see Jesus down here unless you look at you. That's how the world knows that the Father sent the Son. Jesus came and did it. He created, he came and he made the church. He set the foundation. And upon that, upon that rock. A firm, a sure foundation. So our next question was, how am I to be sanctified by the truth? And I said, the answer to that was, you must know the truth intimately. Plain and simple. And when I say you have to know, know the truth intimately, I mean you have, to be, you have to have a bond with the truth. A fellowship with the truth. Listen, and who is the truth? Jesus. So you have to have fellowship with Jesus. How do I have fellowship with Jesus? Through his word. He's your friend. You talk to your friend a couple hours a week. Listen, coming here ain't talking to your friend. Especially if your motives ain't right. Especially if you're just coming here for faith. Do you see Christ outside these four walls? You're going to see him in here, I promise you that. Do you see Christ outside these four walls? When you go back to your, you know, your home... Do you see Christ in those four walls? Forget that. Do you see Christ in your car when you get out? You can tell, you know what, as far as cars go, now that I'm here, I said in your car, you can tell a lot about a person in their car. A whole lot about a person. Driving with them and just riding with them. You can see how they react to people on the road. Holy believers. You can really see their belief system because let me let me see your CD your CD player. Let me see what you're listening to real quick. While you're talking about hallelujah and praise to his name, then you put in and all of a sudden you hear be this and hold that and we're gonna do this or we're gonna do that. Listen. You putting that down in your spirit. Listen, and, and then you bang into it like, man, that's my jam. So that's what you agree to. Talking about being sanctified by its truth. You being sanctified by some lies. Because you know every lyric. You rapping it or singing it along with them. And they saying, I'm going to take this girl here and do this. And you like, yeah, we're going to take it and do this. That's how you make sure you know the truth. Listen, sanctify yourself with the truth instead of you putting this all in your mind. You don't think that that dictates your steps? Let me tell you something. Back when we were in high school, silly, we've been in a couple fights, right? On our way to fights, we would always play music that would get you ready for the fight. They're talking about, I'm going to knock him out. That's what you would do. Because that's what you sanctify in your mind with. Well, I don't want to say sanctified because it's not beautiful. It's not beautifying. It's not purifying. But do you understand that? That's why, that's why you, you're thinking of that, that special someone. You put on that sex tape. That mixtape that you made, that you gave them with all those situations that they're talking about on there. 
What you implying to him? You're talking about sanctify myself with the truth. Listen, you ain't got to go throw your CD players away. You ain't got to go throw your decks away. You ain't got to go throw... Listen, it's all, listen, I've been there too. That's why it's coming out. It's okay though. It's, it is alright because it's a sanctification process. Certain things that I know, listen, all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient for the believers. Music don't hurt, but is it expedient? Is it interfering with the truth? Is that message going against the message of the truth? Even though you ain't doing it. But you listening and banging into it like it's your jam. So how do I know the truth? You got to spend time with the truth and you got to push out everything else that will go against the truth. But you won't do that until you spend time with the truth that shows you what you need to push out. Because if you listen to those things, the, the things that they're saying, if you listen with a godly here, all you're hearing is, sin has dominion, sin has dominion. That's all they're saying. And you're like, man, that's my jam. Sin has dominion. That's what you're doing. You, the, people agree to those songs. That's why it's your jam. It puts you in a position. It, sometimes you listen to something and you're like, oh, that, 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 that brought back something in my memories that I did a long time ago. They, what they said brought back something that I did a long time ago. It's just to be. Get instrumental then. Go be a, turn into a beat man. Everybody can make beats nowadays. Go get you some software and make some beats. It ain't the beat, it's the message. That's what you love, the message. I can give you, listen, I can give you a thousand websites right now on beats. I can make you a beat. I can make you a beat just like your favorite song, but it ain't going to have those words. You ain't going to get that CD, are you? <laughs> Got to spend time with the truth. Got to practice the truth. I'm going to tell you, a good practice for the truth are the small things. Go throw out your CDs. That's a good practice. I had to do that. Listen, I spent a lot of money on CDs. A lot of money on CDs. I'm a music man. I love music, just like my father. But I spent a lot of money on garbage. Until one of these days, well, one day what I had to do was I just got my CD case. And I threw it out. Wasn't nothing in that CD case for me. But that's a commitment to being one. Because if I fill myself up with that, who's going to see the glory of God? It can't come out of me. I'm spending, listen, that's spending time with the lies. Not with the truth. That's spending time with the lies. So your mental state and your heart have been developed with lies instead of with the truth. I know people that spend more time, they come to church. I don't want to say here. They come to church, but they'll spend more time throughout the week, throughout their day, listening to that type of garbage. Even at work. I mean, you could be listening. Listen, you could pull up your message and listen to the message at work. No, they walk around listen. I'm going to do this. I'm gonna do. Well, that's what they're listening to. That's what you're spending your time. It doesn't glorify God. There's not a word about it. As a matter of fact, those words will blatantly go against what it says in here. You call yourself a believer, and the words are blatantly going against it, and then you're going to supporting it too. I'm going to give my money to it and go buy it. And then talking about, why are these seats filled? Has anybody seen the truth in you? Has anybody seen the truth in you? You got to you got to intentionally practice the truth. See, when you practice what practice does for you, it makes what you do for Christ intentional. 
It makes it second nature. It makes it a part of who you are. That's why before Christ, when you were a practicing sinner, it made you a sinner. Because that's what you were. If you're practicing Christ, it makes you a Christian. And we said also to be committed to the truth, we must agree to take the truth as our truth and make it our reality. And I said making the truth our reality requires faith. Remember, your, your, your beliefs are going to motivate your actions. So it requires faith. And I'm going to read this again just because I love it. Hebrews 11 and 1. Your faith substantiates the covenants or truths of God which we eagerly hope for. It is the convincing proof so strong it makes that which we hope for our reality or what we live for. So, I think, are we getting to the new information? Yes. So, making the truth my reality means, point one, I'm going to replace the lies I accepted previously with the truth. So what are lies? Lies are any and everything not in agreement with the truth, which is God's word. Any or everything not in agreement with Christ. That's a lie. I don't care how many facts they could put up against it. If it doesn't agree with the truth, it's a lie. Making the truth my reality means, point two, I'm going to constantly renew my mind with the filter. That means I'm receiving and implying, applying the instruction on how to respond righteously to the truth. Oh, because everybody has a response to the truth, whether it be a righteous response or an unrighteous response. Because the truth is out there. Like I was saying this morning, you've been informed of the truth. Have you made it your truth? See, understand, before choosing Christ, naturally our minds were trained to respond to the lies with more lies. Because we didn't know no better. It's not your fault. That's all your flesh knew. But through sanctification, you can be illuminated. But that's your choice. See, a, a mind that's not committed to the training of the Lord, this is what it says. Look, if someone does something to me, it's time for retribution. Retaliation is a must. Don't cross me, because if you do, it's going down. But the Bible says, whoever shall smite you on the right cheek, turn the other also. So you got to replace that lie with the truth. But when I say replace it, it's not taking this text and putting it here. You have to practice that. It's got to be the small things first. Somebody cut you off in traffic. You got to refrain from whatever fingers you throw. Because I, I tell you, that's, that's of the world. They, they're used to seeing that. They're like, oh, we can engage on this whole road the whole time. It's the small things you got to get the practice in. Because if not, when those big when when, the, when those big things come up, you're gonna blow up. Somebody's gonna actually smack you on the cheek, and then y'all gonna be all off to somewhere, and then y'all gonna you're gonna be in jail, trying to minister Christ. That's what happens when you out of practice. Because, let me tell you, your flesh, it's like, I don't need no practice. I'm ready to go. But remember, you've been practicing me for so long, I'm still there. But the thing is, you've got to start practicing Christ so much that it becomes unnatural to you to see how your old reactions were. You're like, ooh, that's what I used to do? That's what it has to be like. 
But you got to put it into action first before you get to that point. You got to start loving what, what God loves and hating what God hates. And be committed to that. Why? Because I, I need to get to heaven, right? So that others can see that the Father sent the Son. You've been accepted into the fellowship already. You've accepted that, right? Get on your job. All your decisions, all your actions, all your reactions need to flow from the Word. That's what needs to be seen. All your thoughts, all your responses out of the Word. If you run into a situation and you don't know how to respond, you need to wait on the Lord. Don't just jump into it. It needs to come out of the Word. There's no other way that they're going to be able to see Christ but through you. Jesus is no longer here physically. He's in you. And the world needs to see Jesus. So putting the truth into practice is being sanctified by the truth. That's what it is. Putting the truth into practice, sanctify them with our truth, our word is truth. Get the truth and put it into practice. That's being sanctified by the truth. How do I remain one? Number two. I remain one when I purpose to bring God glory in all that I do. Then for me, I put in a little parenthesis, stay in Christ. That's just for me. You can put it in there if you want to or not, but you're going to see why I did. So again, how do I remain one? Number two, I remain one when I purpose to bring God glory in all that I do. We still in John 17. I'm going to read verse 20. Through 23 here. It says, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, art, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. See, right there, I had to stop. I said I was going to 23, but I had to stop. Right there on 22. Jesus said, not only did he sanctify you, but he's given us the same glory that God the Father gave him. What? He showed us God's glory, then he imparted it to us. God is good. So in this context, we've got to understand what he means when, it's, when it says his glory. In this context, what does glory mean? Glory, and you can write this down, it's his power to position us to reveal himself to the world. Glory is his power to position us to reveal himself to the world. See, it amazes me. How everybody wanted something from God. And through it all, God just wanted to give his goodness. See, Satan wanted God's power. Man wanted God's knowledge. And God said, but guess what? I still have my goodness for you, mankind. I'm going to restore fellowship with you so you can still see my goodness. Turn to First John. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, the glory, that glory he's talking about, it's his goodness. That is, that is the glory he's talking about. Let's get to 1 John. And 1 John chapter 3. And I'm going to read verse 1 and 2. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, 
now are we the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be. See, what it's talking about there is it's saying once we, once we meet that hope of glory, we, we, we're not going to know that glory just yet. Not just yet. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when we shall appear, we shall be like Him. We shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. See, when we get there, see, because this process of sanctification, it's all restoring us to the image of, of God. And when we get up there and we see Christ, we're going to be like, oh, I know Him. Because I've seen His goodness. I've seen His glory. I've seen His glory in you. I've seen His glory in you. I've seen His glory. Oh, so I know Jesus when I see Him. I've seen Christ all through the days of my life because of the people in this fellowship with me. In this journey with me, they made sure of it. We're becoming more and more like God's image every day so that we can see Him. So that we can know Him. So that we can be one in Him. Full of His goodness. That's His glory. That's what He wants the world to see, His goodness. That's what they need to see in you. That is God's character. His holiness, His righteousness, His just ways, it can all be right. His love, He's just good. That's the goodness of our God. And that's what needs to be seen in you. Christ is the goodness of our God. And that's what needs to be seen in you. That's the faithfulness of our God. Christ, see the faithfulness of our God, His glory needs to be seen in you. And in, in oneness or in Christ, we have all we need to bring Him glory. A union has been established between us and Christ. So whatever, everything that he, that he has, that Christ has, he's, he's, he's willing and will. And is going to share it with you. Save his deity. You can't have that. But everything else that he is, oh, I'm going to share it with you. See, in Christ, we, we receive grace in Christ. Redemption in Christ. We're justified in Christ. We receive forgiveness of our sins in Christ. This being one in Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ. We've been made a new creature in Christ. All of our needs are met and supplied in Christ. We have eternal life in Christ, in His oneness, in this fellowship. We'll be presented to God perfect in Christ. Ooh. But it's nothing that I did. But I'm going to be presented perfect in Christ. See, that's the glory that they need to see. Oh, listen. When people, when they know themselves, they're like, there's no way that Christ is going to accept me. I'm hell bound. But in Christ, I'm made perfect. Washed by the blood of the Lamb. I can't be separated from the love of God in Christ. Hallelujah. You belong to Him. You are in Him. All that He is, He is for you. But if we could just capture that with our hearts, we'd be so willing, come what may, we would stand firm, fixed, steadfast, committed to oneness. And that's the thing about all that in Christ. The great experience, the thing about it is, is we get to experience all that together. A unity in the body. 
Romans 12 and 5 says, So we though many are one body in Christ. One body in Christ. Redeemed together. Justified together. Forgiven together. Made perfect together. Why? For the glory of, the glory of God. So that the world can see, can, can know that the Father sent the Son. That's why. That's God's redemptive plan, by the way. That's what the church is in Christ. Never trivialize the church. Christ came to make the church. We are the body. He is the head. But like any part of the body, you need to be used. That's how God is manifesting himself today. Through you. That's how they're going to see his glory today. Through you. No other way. You are his covenant agents. You've been enlisted in the fellowship. You signed up willingly to the fellowship. So us being one is key for those who need to experience the glory of God. But then the question is, can God trust you with his glory? That's a good question. When you go to work on Monday, will people see the righteousness of Christ in you or will they see a chip on your shoulder just because it's Monday? Oh, because they can see that from anybody. Are you the last to come and the first to leave? I'm going to tell you, when I see people at work doing that, I think they don't even want to be around me. They want to be here as little as possible. Is that what you're giving off? Is that the glory you're showing? Can he trust you when you get on this platform to sing or to play an instrument that you're not doing it with your own motives? Because when you get up here to sing and, and, and play, it's for his glory. Somebody should see his glory. Everything you do should bring glory to God. Can he trust when you have an opportunity to make a financial gain, but it interferes with him and what he wants for you? Can he trust that you're going to choose him? Because the world is used to seeing people say, oh, this monetary gain, that's got to be God. I'm going with that. They're used to people saying, oh, you can put what you're doing for God on the back burner because you're going to make this money. See, a person like that, you can't be trusted with his glory because you're not showing his glory. There's no commitment. Can't compromise the standard of Christ. People need to experience the glory of God. Can't be willing just to compromise. It's not about you. Remember that. Settle in your mind, especially when it comes to money. Settle it in your mind that you might not ever get to see or get to have those things that you want to have. Settle it in your mind that you might not get to have the house on the hill. Because what we have is far greater. And if you could show that to other people, they would be like, oh... They're not even tripping on that house on the hill. But what they do see is you breaking your back for that house over the hill, but not for God. Oh, they hear you talking. And they're like, well, I can do that. We can talk about it. People are always saying, 
I need God to, I need Him to show up in my life. I need His glory. Here, let me say something. Are you in the fellowship? His glory is with you. It's here. That's how you receive. Remember when you first received. Somebody witnessed to you. And you saw the glory of, listen, you saw and heard a person at first, then you saw and heard the glory of God. Then your senses melted away. I couldn't see that person no more. I couldn't hear that person no more. All I saw was Christ. My direction, my path became clear. Because somebody in the fellowship continued and was committed to oneness. So now my ears are attentive. My heart is pliable. I'm ready to receive. The word now pierces me like a double-edged sword. And it can tell me, that's not for me. All because I saw God's glory in somebody else. So, how do I glorify God with my life? Number one, I must be, we've been saying it, I must be willing to suffer for righteousness sake. Let's turn to First Peter. First Peter chapter three. And I'm going to read verse 8 through 14. It says, Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil, or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you, if ye be followers of that which is good? But, and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. And be not afraid of terror, neither be troubled. Why? For the eye, verse 12, for the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. And his ears are open to their prayers. But you've got to be willing to suffer for righteousness sake. But you have nothing to fear. you just got to be willing. Keep your eye on Christ. You've got to be willing to suffer for Christ's sake. Just keep your eye on Christ though. Amen, Christ. You have to deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow him. Are you willing to deny yourself? Am I willing to subject myself to the disciplines of Christ? Am I willing to be a disciple? Am I willing to get rid of bad habits? Bad attitudes? Bad addictions? Bad relationships? That don't glorify Him. Because remember, you have to bring Him glory in all that you do. Am I willing to keep sex in the covenant of marriage? Am I willing to surrender every area of my life to the Lordship of Christ? For unity. Listen, you might suffer mentally, you might suffer physically when remove these things, but in Christ, listen, count it all joy. Count it all joy, because we have a hope. Hey, in this fellowship and journey, we have, a end, we have an expected end. Count it joy, because guess what? I'm depending on you. I'm depending on you to count it joy. 
Somebody out there is depending on you to count of joy so they can see the glory of God. That's the type of joy they need to see. They come what may. I'm sticking this through to the end. Because this world, this world is full of people that give up. But the body of Christ we're finishers. We're finishers so that the world will know that the Father sent the Son. Because the Son was a finisher. That means I might have to quit some friendships that aren't glorifying God. Might have to get rid of them. That's not so easy. But look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. See, you're talking about losing a friend, and Christ lost his life. Well, I'm sorry, he gave his life. <laughs> but you're talking about losing a friendship when we have an expected end. When you have other people that need to see the glory of God, and you're talking about you losing a temporal friendship. One that's going to lead you to the path of destruction. Left unchecked. That's what you need to understand about sin or lust. Left unchecked is going to lead you to the path of destruction. Got to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow Him. Christ denied Himself, picked up the cross, and died for your sins. There's your example. That is our goal to be like Christ anyway, right? Let, let's go to first. We're in First Peter. Let's go over to chapter four, verse one, because this is what I want you to. Let me see. This is what Peter's saying right here. For as much then as Christ has suffered, has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. There it is, right there. The same mind of Christ. And that arm yourself, that's sanctification. <laughs> Connected back. That's being sanctified with the truth. You've got to arm your minds so that you fulfill God's will and not the lust of your flesh. So number two, how do I glorify God with my life? When I actualize my position in the body. <laughs> and then I put in parentheses for myself there. Make your calling and your election sure. Again, how do I glorify God with my life? When I actualize my position in the body of Christ. When I realize my position in the body. So what is my position? What are we called to be? And I'm going to give you a group of words. You're called to be a worshiper. You're called to be holy. You're called to be righteous. You're called to be co-laborers. These last two I really love. You're called to be brothers and sisters. Ooh. You're called to be brothers and sisters. What, what is a brother or sister in relation to oneness? A brother or sister is an individual, and we've been speaking on oneness, so we have to understand how our individuality fits into this unity. Because we are individuals. But we have to understand how individuality fits in so that we can be in oneness with our brother and sister. Because remember, fellowship removes those differences. So we need to understand this. Let's go to Romans 12. So we're going to get a good understanding on this. And I'm going to have to close with these points here. Romans chapter 12. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, 
that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, so all members have not the same office. And this is, the, this is the scripture I really want to focus on. So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. So what Paul is saying here is that our true individuality is found, it's discovered, it's experienced in relationship to the body of Christ. Think about verse 5. Individually members one of another. Members, parts of another. One by one. Individually. So here's what, I, here's what Paul's saying. I'm a part of you. And you're a part of me. Listen. I'm like your eye. I'm like your hand. I'm like your foot. You're like my eye. You're like my hand. You're like my foot. Each individual is a part of the other individuals in the body. And here's the, here's the blessing part about it. That's who I am. I'm part of you. Oh, we're talking about oneness. That means that my, my individual identity, as God created me to be, your brother, like we said, brother and sister, it can't be known except in serving you as I rely on Christ. Because I'm a part of you. Like I said, I, I'm your arm. I'm your eye. And, and it's funny, you know, I, I'm glad God used the body there. Because what do those things do in the body? The eyes, they serve the rest of the body. The hands, they serve the rest of the body. The feet, they serve the rest of the body. So that's what I am for you. I'm a servant for you. I'm your brother. So in relation to oneness, a brother or a sister is a willing servant. But in order to get to that point, you have to make your calling your election sure. It's, it's easy to say I'll be my brother's willing servant. It really is. But if you understand this oneness, if you understand that you're a part of me, I'm a part of you. And I can't allow my brother and my sister to go deficient. Why is that? Because others got to see the glory of God in you too. So that means if I see my brother or my sister stumbling, I can't let them stay there. Oh, it's got to be an urgency about it. It's got to be an urgency about it. No, we got to get on top of this right now. Because you're my brother. And we're in this journey together. We're in this fellowship together. And I want to see you at the end. I'm going to make sure of that. See, that's just what, that's just what, Christ, that's, that's what Christ said to me about my friend. He said, oh, do you want, don't you want to see him at the end? Go show him. Go show him my glory. Making your calling your election sure means you have to start being a doer of the word, not just a hearer. You gotta, you gotta quit just being informed. You have to know it. You have to become intimate with the truth. That's when you can be a brother and a sister. Because the truth on how to be a brother and sister is here. But if you're not intimate with it, you can call yourself a brother or sister, but you don't have the truth. All you know is what's fleshly. And our bond as a brother and sister, it goes past the bond of brother and sister as flesh. You can't understand it from this world. So if you don't pick this up, if you don't spend time with it, how can I expect you to be my brother? How can I expect you to be my sister when the instructions to do it are here? 
That's what you that's your that's what you're supposed to do in oneness. Pick up this Bible. And then get the get the get, get the words off those pages and into your heart. So that you can be a brother. So that you can be a co laborer. So that you can be a worshiper. So that you can be holy and righteous by the So that when we when it's all said and done, we see Christ, we say, Oh, I know him. Because I've experienced his goodness and his glory. Because I've seen it. And there it is. So at the end of your days, you can say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Because that's what a brother and sister is. It's a willing servant. Stand your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.